Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Hey, everybody, what's good with you? Sean and Brad, the AMB show, back in your ear, in your face, wherever you get your podcast from. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for being here. If you're not a subscriber, hit that thing up. You can find us everywhere your podcast, YouTube, all that fun stuff. Uh, and let us know what you think of the show. We'll take your emails, hollers when you see us in the streets, just like Dan War did today. So thanks, Dan. Appreciate you. <laughs> I'm Brad Tesh, uh, co-host of the show with my buddy Sean. He'll tell you his last name because it's French. And we are uh, Pacific Northwest Kids. Now, that's where we're coming from, live. Uh, we do a lot of things sports-related, but also on some other stuff. Uh, tonight, actually, we just witnessed uh, LeBron James break the scoring record. So, it's a big deal. Sound off for that. Uh, Sean conducted an interview earlier tonight. I think you guys are going to like it. We actually spent the last uh, hour or so uh, kind of in the green room talking with Cameron. So he'll be back on the show. So hopefully you guys like that interview Sean had with him. And uh, it was great to talk to him. I wish I'd have been able to make it earlier. I was running basketball practice uh, for, you know, seven-year-old girls. So I couldn't make it. Hey, this is a good man. This is a good man. Salt of the earth right here. Running some basketball drills. Yes, I'm more salty because I didn't shower yet. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, stay tuned for this interview. You tell them who I was with? Yeah, Cameron Kilnley. Cameron Kilnley was literally in the news last year. Uh, his story is great. Uh, he's got a book coming out. Uh, he's going to be talking about it. Plus, he's also co-host of Under the Rug Podcast. So, check that out as well. That's right. Stay tuned. Ask your questions later. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome here to the A&B PNW Sports Show. Man, we are really honored right now. We are missing the B, but I added a C. I got Cameron <laughs> Kinley here. What's going on? And uh, we're really excited to have you on the show here. No, I appreciate you for having me, man. You know. Definitely, definitely excited. So, Cameron, I, I've been... I've been well, besides meeting you. Right. <laughs> besides, well, like, probably a month ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So besides meeting you, uh, I actually did some reading on you as well. Because I, I'll never forget Brad actually telling me, because we were talking about your story. And Brad was like, well, I know this guy. And he was going through this thing. It doesn't sound right. And then ending up that, well, you're that guy. <laughs> you know, it's, funny you say, it's funny you say that because... Over the past year, that has happened to me so much. Like, yeah. <laughs> people might be like, oh, did you try to play football? And I know we'll get into the story a little bit. I'm like, yeah, and this happened, blah, blah, blah. They were like, oh, yeah, I heard that happened to some other guy. Like, <laughs> big thing about it, I was like, yeah, that, that was me. <laughs> and they're like, wait, what? I'm like, yeah, so that's funny that you say that. It, it was it was hilarious because I remember I was saying, man, yeah, like, I'm working with this guy right now. And, uh, like, you know, he's... He's an officer in the Navy, and, uh, you know, he was he was on the bus. He goes, sounds eerily familiar to this one guy. And it's like, yeah. I mean, right. you were the captain of the Navy midshipmen. Mm -hmm. Who won, by the way, is the... Uh, the Army Navy. Yeah, the Army Navy game we yeah, were playing. So I, unfortunately, when I was at Navy, we went one and three against Army. So come yeah, on. Yeah, we beat them, my, uh, <laughs> beat them my junior year. I think at that point, they were on a three-year street. And so then my junior year, we beat them and ended that little streak that they had. Because, you know, we, we had been on a, I want to say it was either 13 wins in a row or 14 years in a row when I was a senior in high school. Right. 
and then Army ended up beating Navy. And then I got there. We lost the first two years. And then my junior year, when we went 11-2, and two, we were pretty good that year. Uh, we we got them pretty well. Uh, Eleven pretty and two. Yeah, twenty. We finished like twenty three in the country. Wow. That year. Wow. I think that's tied for like the most wins in school history too. Like, we got the tie with some other team. So, yeah. Well, I'm trying to think about some of the people that came out of the Navy. I think Staubach. Yeah, Roger Navy, Staubach. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You always see him around the facility at least a couple of times during the football season. So yeah. that's pretty cool. Um, got Keenan Reynolds, who was uh, in the running for the Heisman yep. back in like 2015. He had a shot in the NFL. And then, I mean, it's been a lot of good athletes. Uh, we got a long snapper that still plays for the Patriots right now, Joe Cardona. Um, and then our quarterback, my junior year, Malcolm Perry. He was drafted by the uh, Miami wow. Dolphins. And so he just got out. He's about to transition into the Marine Corps. But it's definitely been... It's definitely been a lot of talent to come from the academy. Yeah. yeah. And just hearing about right now that about uh, some of the people that you were on the team with, mm-hmm. and you were the captain of the of the defense, then? Yeah. is that it? So, yeah, my senior year. So, I didn't play with any of those guys, but my senior oh. year. <laughs> my senior year. So, the way it works, uh, we we elect, like, three to four captains. Yeah. Um, typically, like, after camp or typically it's after spring ball because of COVID, we didn't have spring ball. Right. So, we did ours after fall camp. And the players just submit who they want the captain to be. So that was an honor, you know, to one of the biggest things at the academy. A lot of the positions are chosen through by the higher ups. Like you go through boarding processes, interviews. So a lot of the striper billets are chosen by the higher commanding officers on the yard. But team captain and class president, those are the only two uh, positions where your peers elect you. And so when I discovered that my teammates had entrusted me to be their captain, I was just... It was a blessing, you know, it was a privilege. Uh, and I didn't take it lightly, and I, I knew I owed them a certain level of leadership. So why Navy at the end of the day? I mean, I would imagine yeah. that you could have probably went to any school at right. some point. Uh, is it because of your grandfather's right. uh, legacy that he was a retired chief in the Navy? Yeah, or? so uh, my dream school was Vanderbilt, like to tell you the truth, Vanderbilt University. Uh, so I got an older sister. She's two years older than me. And so I remember I had to be in, like, eighth grade maybe seventh or eighth grade mm-hmm. and she was doing something at vandy and we went to go tour the campus and i just fell in love with it you know i'm from memphis it's in nashville three hours away i'm like perfect academics sec football at that time i wanted to be a doctor they got a good medical program and so in my eyes i'm like yo this is the golden path right. to do everything i want to do in life and so i was i grew up playing football so i was pretty competitive all the way through then when i got the eighth grade I was riding the bench, right, as an eighth grader. And reality started to kick in. Like, in eighth grade, that's when you start hearing about other kids in your class. Like, when you go to eighth and ninth grade, and then these rankings come out, and I'm like, man, these kids are good, right? Right. I'm riding the bench in eighth grade. These people are doing this. Like, I'm I'm behind. Right. And so I was probably 5'6", 115 pounds as a freshman in high school. So I had the the blessing of having a dad who played in college, though. An older brother who played in college and in the NFL for a couple of years. So they kind of knew what I needed to do to get to where I wanted to go. Right. Um, and so they just kept it real with me, and I'm thankful for that. He was like, my dad set me down after my freshman year. I was like, hey, if you want to play football in college, you got some work to do. And so I put in work, and then finally, long story short, after my junior year, I started to get some interest from Vandy. Right. And they came to the school, and they said, at this time, I had my Navy offer. But to, truth be told, I didn't know anything about the service academies. I had Navy, Army, and Air Force. My only connection was my grandfather, who was a retired chief, and I got a cousin in D.C. who also served for five years. 
But I didn't know anything about the military. Right. So I wasn't really looking into it. I was still focused on Vandy. And so the Vanderbilt coach came into the to my high school. He came to our office. He said, hey, like, grades good. You got the frame. You got the size. Your film looks good. You come to a camp this summer. You perform. We're going to offer you on the spot. So I'm like, this is it, this is right? It. I'm like, yeah, yeah. all I got to do is go out here, have a good day, like, yeah. great day. And then I get my offer. I'm committing. Like, it, it was no... It was no thoughts about it. This is my dream school. And so I go to the camp, and I kid you not, I don't just say this. Like, I had the best camp of my life. Like, right, right, right. I, The video is still on YouTube from the camp. Like, I'm catching one-hand interceptions, like, what? not giving up passes. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Like, I felt out of body, right? It's like, like even my teammates are like, man, what are you doing? Like, I was like, I don't know. Like, this, everything is just coming naturally, right? <laughs> and so I, at the end of the camp, I'm like, man, like, I'm for sure about to get this offer. You got know, this, I'm like, it's not a bad. Yeah. And talking to the coach, and they're just like, yeah, you know, we want to see some more film. I was like, man, but y'all said if I come here and I perform, like, easily the best-looking DB out there, um, and I didn't get the offer. And that was, a, that was a rude awakening for me into the political side of recruiting and whatnot. But what did come out of that day, I had the Yale coach there mm-hmm. who had been recruiting me, and he offered me. And then after that, I ended up getting – offers from all eight Ivy League schools back to back to back to back. And so going into my senior year, I had the service academies, the Ivies, some more FCS programs. I was talking to a couple at BS. And, you know, as a high school kids know, like, everybody has this dream of going Power 5. You know, SEC, Big 10, Big 12, Pac-12, everybody has that. And so you can have 15-plus offers like I had, Division 1, but you're still – waiting for one of these bigger schools to come in late into the game. Right, right, right. But when I got to school that year, I had a lot of teachers talking to me about the service academies, especially like the Naval Academy in particular. Just happened like they had been up there and visited it, and they're like, hey, like, you need to look at this opportunity. And so as a 17-year-old of high school, you think of military, all you think about is what you're missing out on, especially college, right? You've been in your parents' house. You want college to be college. Yeah, yeah. And so when you hear like, oh, <laughs> give four years for 40, you're like, I'm not thinking about 40 years. Like, I want to go have fun. But I was also, my parents did a great job, job of raising me. So when my elders spoke to me, like when I heard advice from adults, I typically heeded their advice and listened right. to it. So I was like, let me look into this a little bit more. And I mean, it came down to it. I visited um, Air Force. I visited Princeton and I visited Navy. And when I got on Navy's campus, I just, it was, I just felt like this is it. And it wasn't even like a place that I wanted to go, truthfully, right? right. right? Um, but I felt like it was where God wanted me to be next for right. my journey. And I knew that I grew up pretty comfortable in Memphis, like had most of everything I needed. This was going to be an opportunity for right. me to get uncomfortable and to grow as a man. It's, it's amazing that you said that as well. Because it's like, how many people on their graduating day because you were like I believe one of the spokes if not the spokesperson there yeah on their graduating day as a keynote speaker yeah as the vice president there yeah. at the graduation <laughs> yeah it's full circle <laughs> and you know it's crazy I always think about the fact and that was a crazy experience and we can get into that more a little bit later but I always think about you know what if I wouldn't have gone to Navy right right, right. <laughs> like the things that have occurred in my life the past like four to five years because I made that decision as a 17 year old to go do something that I didn't exactly want to do 
but I knew that God had in store for me to do and like trusting in his plan at that age, if I wouldn't have done that, I would have missed out on right. so much. And I, I don't know who I would have been today. And it's funny, when I was in the sixth grade, I actually wrote a speech. It was uh, about Naval Academy athletes and what make them unique. Like it was a speech wow. contest. Yeah. Wow. And I had no idea about, like I said, I knew nothing about it. I was just looking for an interesting topic. So and I found that. Self-prophetic. Now. Right. It was like a prophecy. <laughs> <laughs> and when I was getting recruited by Navy, I was like, well, you remember I wrote that speech? She was like, yeah, what? I was like, do you remember what it was about? She was like, no. I was like, I wrote about like Naval Academy athletes. And she was like, oh, that's crazy. But to see all that come full circle is, yeah, it's definitely wow. wild. It's wow. definitely wild. I mean, and, and so, like, you go out there, you get your education in political mm-hmm. science. I'm still certain, though, that you're thinking, man, I, I want to play in yeah. the NFL. Yeah. So, truth be told, when I went to Navy, I had no aspirations for the NFL. No. Truth be told. Okay. Zero. Right? Okay. So, my whole mission with football was to make sure my parents didn't have to pay for college. I wanted to get into the best school that I could get into, academic-wise and whatnot, and I didn't want my parents to pay a dime because they invested in private school for me and my siblings. Uh, it was four of us, so money was tight, and I knew they didn't have to do that. And so I was like, for them to invest in my education at this age, I can't have them pay for college. And so I always took care of my academics and my athletics to get to that position. Once I got to college, I was like, you know, I just want to have a good experience, and then I'll be ready to transition. I was too competitive for that, though, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> freshman year, I get up there, man, and so Navy, we're in the AAC, so we play Memphis twice. Right. Uh, well, we play Memphis every year, but twice at home. And so my freshman year was one of the years we were going back to Memphis to play. Naval Academy is a, you probably got 150 kids on a roster, like, and so you only have, like, 54 that can travel. And okay. so, yeah, okay. so we have a JV team, you have people playing scout team, and you get there, you don't know that for real. And you're like, you walk into the meeting room and you're like eighth on the depth chart. Wow. And I'm like, man, like, I got to go to Memphis. You know, I'm like, I got to make this travel yeah, roster. So in order yeah. to do that, I had to be uh, in the uh, top three strings. And so that was my motivation my plebe year. Like, simply make the travel roster so I can go to Memphis. Make the travel roster so I can go to Memphis. It's so simple. Yeah. You know, I, was like, I, I, can't, I was like, I can't let this game come around and my family and friends are like, oh, why are you not here? You know, yeah. like, yeah. and I'm like, oh, I didn't make this travel. So that was my motivation. Yeah. And that drive, it allowed me to make it happen. And so Memphis game finally comes around. I'm in my hometown. I got everybody there. And I get like some of my first collegiate action out there on punt return. And I just get smoked off the line. Like, smoked and I get back to school that Monday and my position coach calls me in the office he's like you know feel like you got a lot of potential but we just don't think you're there right now like Mm. so we're gonna move you down the scout team and that was like one of those other turning points in my career where it was like you go from being a high school state champion you know going 14 and 0 feeling like you're on the top of the world get to college and now you're holding bags on scout team like this is not the dream that anybody has Right. And so I remember calling my dad. I was like, you know, like, I'm cool. Like, I, I think I'm down with football. Like, maybe this is all that I had in store. Like, right. I'd rather just focus on grades than be out here holding the bag on scout team. And my dad, football coach, coached me my whole life. Of course, he wasn't going for that. <laughs> and he told me to go read a letter that he had wrote me when I was in basic training. And it was the first letter I received. And in it, it had Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope in the future. And that became my guiding verse for my years at the Naval Academy from then on out. And 
I gained strength knowing that there was a plan. And that what that plan wasn't exactly saying like, oh, if you trust in me, like I'm gonna make sure you're all American, yeah. right? But it's like I have something in store for you in this experience. Keep going through it. And so I just kept working. I played scout team for the rest of the year, my freshman year. And then sophomore year, I was lucky enough to start getting into the rotation, started a couple of games. And then junior year, everything clicked, and I started all 14 games. Um, and that was the year we went, uh, we were number 23 in the country. And so I'm like, man, this is great. Still at the time, now I'm not really thinking about professional, right? I'm like, right. I'm just enjoying it. Um, and then my senior year rolls around. I'm like, this is it. Last year playing ball, got to go out with a bang. Get elected team captain. Finalist for the academic Heisman, you know, like one of seven or something like that. I'm like, this is I'm I'm literally on top of the world. Yeah. Like this is exactly how like I would want to go out playing football. Halfway through the year, man, I get called into my position coach's office and he says, you know, like we're at this point I think we're three and three. Like I'm having a decent year, like making some plays, making some mistakes, you know, it's typical, but decent, right? Could be better, but it, it wasn't too bad. But he calls me in his office. He says, you know, we're going to go with something different this week. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, different scheme, game right, plan? Right, He's like, nah, like, you're not going to be starting. I'm like, what? You know? Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> like, at this point, I've started probably 19, 20 games in my career or whatever. Okay. And I'm like, <sighs> and I'm on like a 18 game or I don't know. But as the team captain, that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. Because... Now you're put in a position where you're not getting what you want, but the team still needs something from you because you're the captain. And that was a that was a, one of those other turning points in my career, man. Halfway through the, my senior season as the team captain, I got benched, mm-hmm. and I would play a little bit more the rest of the season. Like started, a, I think I started another game or two just because somebody was hurt. Right. Uh, well, I started one game because somebody was hurt, and then the other game we played Memphis, so they let me start play one drive, came out the game, and so. That's why I said, you mentioned Army-Navy my senior year, man. It's funny. So Army-Navy senior year, I, I don't get in, right? And that game, you know, I'm going into the game excited. Like, it's Army-Navy, best right. rivalry in college football. I'm doing interviews on CNN, talking to New York Times. Like, it's cool. But when a game starts, you know, I start getting faced with the reality that I'm probably not going to play. Right. And not only that, but this is probably it for me in my right, career, right? right. Eight, 18 years of playing football, and here we are, <laughs> you know? That's got to be a little bit of a bittersweet feeling, right? Oh, for sure. Feeling, right? For yeah. sure. And so I remember that game, man. We ended up losing, but Army started putting it away in the fourth quarter, man. And I got in for the last, like, two plays. Yeah. And literally, Army was just taking knees. And I remember, like, I get in the game finally, um... And I is you know it's is when I think back to it I just remember how I'm feeling but I'm watching Army take a knee and I'm looking at the clock mm-hmm. and I'm just looking at the seconds tick off the clock and to everybody in the stadium that probably meant the game was about to be over but to mm-hmm. me I'm like man these are the final seconds ticking off of my career right and game ended and I just remember walking across the field at Mitchie Stadium and not hearing anything mm-hmm. like not paying attention to anything going on i'm literally in my own world just like a tunnel yeah vision. it's tunnel vision yeah. like really trying to take in everything that had transpired and i just was like man i don't think this is supposed to be it mm-hmm. like there's no 18 years playing football i was like there's no way that this is the ending that god had for me i just didn't feel that at the time mm-hmm. right and so get home um, for Christmas break, I got a younger brother. He's two years younger than me. He plays football at MTSU. Um, and so we always would come home and work out, right? right. So 
I'm working out in the garage with them. And I'm like, you know, like, man, I'm working out with him and my dad. And I'm like, you know, what y'all think about if I was trying, if I tried to go to the NFL? And my dad was like, you know, that's one regret that I always had. Like, I look back on it. I'm like, what if I would have tried? You know, mm -hmm. and my little brother was like, you're a hard enough worker to make it happen. But if you commit to it, you got to commit to it. Right. Um, but on the inside, I had a lot of fear. Like, truth be told, it was like a big, big fear, insecurity. I, I, can, I can see yeah, that because it's know? like, especially when you've been benched and yeah, everything like that. It was it's insecurity. play exactly. something mentally, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so I had a lot of insecurity. Like, am I good enough, this and that? Like, what happens when I fail? Like, everybody's going to be talking about me. But like I said, I just felt like God was trying to tell me to do something. Mm -hmm. And it's just like when I committed to Navy when I was 17, it was like God was telling me to do something. Right. And I felt like he was pushing me to do something. That was not me saying like, oh, if I go after this, I'm going to make it to the NFL. But he was like, I got something to show you. Right. And so when I was home for Christmas, I said, you know what? I'm going to go after this dream. Yeah. yeah. I got to tell you right now, what an amazing father you have. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean... To even know the letter too, as well, right? He knows the letters. Yeah, that had to have been something uh, that would keep somebody like definitely, yeah. uh, like a how how can I say it? Like a like a a type. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of, of like what God could be like. It's like a type that it's yeah. like. Well, I see this. He really cares for me. He has instilled this for me. He he knows these letters. And and to even get you back to that Jeremiah twenty nine, yeah. I mean, what a Bible verse! Yeah, that's that my well. yeah, that's my God verse. Like that's, yeah. that's amazing. I even got a tattooed on me that December. That's <laughs> my first tattoo, but yeah, it's man. Um, so then you go mm -hmm. August. We're, I guess for training camp. Well, so I mean, so at this point it's December of twenty twenty. Okay. Yeah. So this is when I make the decision. Now it's time to make it happen, yeah. right? And so. Obviously, I'm not on anybody's radar. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, yeah. Nobody knows who I am, truthfully. Um, so I signed with an agent. He played at the academy, and so I. He was first year being an agent, first year having an agency. Him and one of his partners, and so I was like, okay, I know they're gonna invest in me because it's their first year. Right. Like, they got as much in it as I do, right? right? And so, boom! Right after that, a week later, I get an invite to the College Gridiron Showcase in Texas. So this is the year of COVID. So NFL Combine was canceled. A lot of the All-Star games were canceled. So it was really only like three main events. And this college gridiron showcase, you had the Senior Bowl, of course, and then you had the Hula Bowl in Hawaii. And so college gridiron showcase, I get down there in Texas, and it's like more than 50 scouts, right? right. And it's players from all over, like all the Power 5 schools. I mean, D2, you know, just a bunch of prospects. And obviously being – Coming from the situation I was coming from, being bent, like nobody really knowing who I am, like I'm very insecure. Like yeah. truth be told, I get down, I'm like very insecure, very nervous. Like I'm like, man, like I, I need to do something. Like I gotta make stuff happen. So first night we check in, they have us all in this room, all the players in this room, and they have people that are working at an event. They're coming into the room and they're calling players to go talk to the scouts. All the scouts are in like the big old um, ballroom or whatever, like table set up. And so I'm in there and just talking to people, meeting people. Some some people I have played against, so some people we have mutual connections, so we're just talking. And the guys are coming in, calling players, they're leaving, you know, um, going to talk to scouts. And I'll be talking to a guy sometimes, he can get called, he go back, I'll start talking to somebody else. Hours roll by, still hadn't gotten called. Right. And at first I wasn't really thinking about it. 
but then I started looking around the room and I'm like, man, it's probably only like two or three of us that haven't gotten our name called, right? Um, it's 80 plus, 100 plus players in there, right? And so the guy comes around for the last time and he's like, hey, like this is the final call. Like these are the last guys we need. If your name wanna call, like, you can basically go to the hotel room. And I just remember like trying to like fight back tears at that moment, like, man, this is embarrassing, right? And I get back to my hotel. I just go to my hotel room. I kind of like crash out on my bed. I'm just like, man, like, what am I thinking to, that I could have done this? Right. You know, like, who am I to think I can go from not playing in college and nobody really knowing about me to making it to the NFL, right? Right. And so at the academy, you're given a sponsor family, right? Your freshman year. And so it just so happened, like, probably a week before that, my sponsor mom had passed away from cancer. Oh. Yeah. And when I had declared for the um, draft, she had texted me and was like, so proud of you. Like, this can happen to a more deserving person. And when I was in my room, like, just facing the pillows, like, just looking at the ceiling, like, what am I doing? I just just happened to get a text from my sponsor dad. And he was just like, you know, I'm proud of you. And so uh, her name was Teresa. She, he was like, Teresa would be proud of you too. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, you know, like I, I got a different type of fuel behind me. And I at that moment, I was like, you know, I'm going to dedicate this. Uh, it's like a combine type event. Right. right. I was like, I'm going to dedicate that to her tomorrow. Hmm. And that was kind of my why in that moment to get me through. One thing I realized in life is like when you're going through different circum different like tough circumstances, you're not always going to have the same driving force to get you through. Like no. sometimes in those moments, you got to find something else like you got to find your why. You got to find something to keep you moving forward. And in that moment, it was my sponsor mom. And it kind of like made me realize like, man, you're supposed to be here too. Like this is an opportunity. You know, like life is so much bigger than this. Like just go take advantage of the opportunity to go play ball. Right. And the next day I got out there and I, I bought out a little bit, did pretty well. And I mean, I talked to one scout after his Kansas City Chiefs. But that's all I needed to really keep moving forward. Right. And so that was a good experience for me um, just as a man to, like, grow, you know, being in that uncomfortable situation, learning how to block out the noise and just go perform and focus on something bigger. Um, and then after that, I got invited to the Hula Bowl right. in Hawaii. And it was like I was starting to slowly see God unfolding everything. And I got to the Hula Bowl didn't really want to go to the hula bowl, truth be told, just because my insecurities. Like, the combine, it was simple. I was like, it's just drill work. Right. Hula bowl, full pads. You know right, what I'm saying? Right, right, I'm like, tackling was always my weakness. So I was like, man, now I got to get out here and tackle in front of these scouts. You know, like, that's probably why I lost my job my senior year. <laughs> but I'm like, man, you know, it's just that, that fear, man. Fear is a very powerful thing. And you can allow it to control you or you can allow it to, like, promote you almost, right? right. It's like, you got to... You got to learn. And I don't, what I've realized is like fear doesn't go anywhere. Right. Like it doesn't matter who you are. You can't really tell me that you don't fear anything. It's just you. Oh, that's, out, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, exactly. that's lies. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, fear, you yeah. just figured out how to deal with your fear. That's it. You don't let fear control you, but yeah. fear is always present. It's just what volume of fear is present in your exactly. life. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's funny, right? When you, when you mention about fear and then the words of Winston Churchill comes in from World War II, that whole entire speech. Mm -hmm. and it's like. Just the end of it. There's nothing yeah. to fear but fear itself. And yeah. it's like, yeah, you're absolutely, how do you channel that fear? Yeah, right? exactly. How do, you, how do you make that work for you? You know, for me, um, as a man of faith, I feel like fear gives way to faith. So the more fear I encounter, it's like the more faith I got to have in God. Man, that is so good. <laughs> you know? 
it's like it's like the more fear that I have, the more I need to lean on God. It's just, it just shows that I'm not trusting in God enough. Yeah. Like for me personally, and so anytime I find myself in those situations, it's like you know you need to lean on God a little bit more. That's it. Like God got something to show you. Like always, like I said, like when I embarked on that journey, I didn't really know what was to come of it, yeah. but I knew that God had something to show me. That's it. Um, and one of the lessons I've taken away from that journey is like how to deal with fear. Like God has equipped me how to deal with fear. And so even moments today where I feel like scared or something like that, I just lean on my faith. Yeah. And I think about what God has already brought me through. And because I'm like, yeah. He doesn't have plans to prosper you. And yeah. so I truly believe in that. And so I go to the hula bowl and I do pretty decent out there, mm-hmm. um, get some more teams on the radar. Right. And then... <laughs> Life is so funny. It's like as soon as you think you got everything going well, something else hits you in the face, right? Right. And so COVID-19 environment, the Naval Academy, man, we were on lockdown. Right. Like, just because right, right. we all live in the same dorm. Like we couldn't afford for anybody to go off campus and get COVID. So we are stuck on campus. And not only that, our facilities were closed, like weight room, all that's closed. And you know, like when you're trying to go to the NFL, you got to do a pro day, got to do a combine. And you're doing 225 rep tests. You got to run right. 40 yeah. verticals. <laughs> right? I think you need access to a weight room to do kind that. Of, kind you know? of. Push ups ain't going to cut yeah, it. You <laughs> can only do so much for you. And so guys are trained. Like, guys don't even, like, do their last semester yeah. of college. You know, they go train in, like, Florida, Texas, Cali, Arizona, whatever it might be. And here I am, like, finishing up my degree at the Naval Academy. You know, that's not something that's easy. And on top of that, I'm... I'm having to train in the COVID environment, right? right? So we get an hour a day outside. And I had one other teammate at the time who was going after Miles Fells. And, like, just having him there as an accountability partner help. Like, we both held each other accountable, getting it in every day, making the most of our situation. I had a strength coach who would send me virtual workouts, and we would do the workouts, record each other, send them to him. He'll text us feedback, you know, ed- annotate the videos, and we'll go out the next day do it again. So right. it was it was not ideal to be training for the NFL like yeah. that. But at the end of the day, it's like, you got to work with what you have. And so I remember doing pull-ups on my shower, doing push-ups and stuff, trying to get ready for the 225. Dude, come on. And then it's get crazy. No, it's pull-ups on the shower. I'll show you the wow. videos, man. It's like, this is real. And, yeah. and then, like, I remember I had a, a track. And at the time, by the way, we don't even know if we're having a pro day. Like, while we were doing all this, mm-hmm. like, making these sacrifices, we don't even know if we're even going to have a pro right. day to go participate right. in. Right. right. Um, and so I remember one day one of my friends that ran track, he was like, hey, like, I think I got something that can help you out. And I'm like, what you mean? Like, all the facilities closed. Like, yeah. there's nothing you can do for me for real. And he was like, no, like, we got this shed next to our track. And he was like, it's a barbell in there. Like, we got some weights. Like, was it like have... something like from I'm the 60s you, or something? Like... I'm telling you. He's like, he's like, he might be able to make something happen. And so I meet him there the next day. And, man, we got a yoga mat on the ground. And we have this barbell. Which probably has about 205 on it, rusty barbell, and we're on a yoga mat. And so I would lay down on the yoga mat, he'd give me the bar, and I'm benching. But that's like a chest press, you know? Yeah. But it's all I got. Yeah, yeah. And so then we kept doing that for a couple of days, and then finally I started looking around a little bit more, and I found like some mats, you know, like the kind of pattern that they put behind a basketball goal in the yeah, gym. Yeah. And we kind of stacked those up about, probably about that high, and I would get on it, and he'll, uh, Hand me the bar over, and that's how <laughs> and that was your bench. You know? And it's like you made the most of your circumstances. That's it. Um, but as time started to pass, I realized like still not looking like we're gonna have a pro day here at Navy. Right. 
And so the policy is like, if your school doesn't host one, you can go to a local school or go to your hometown. Okay. And so I hit up one of my high school coaches to hit up the University of Memphis to see if they'll let me come. And this is why it's so important to like just be a good person. Yeah. Right? Because this is a rival school in conference, whatnot. But he knew my character. The head coach at Memphis knew my character and he didn't hesitate to let me come down there. Right. And I was just remember watching like the interviews when they were asking him, like, you know, like it's from a rival school, which you're allowing a hometown kid to come back. And he was like, Have you met this guy? You know, and I say that with like all humility because it's like my parents always taught me, you know, the the focus on being a good person. Like people yeah. are gonna know you by your fruit. Yeah. And in the long run, that's what pays off. And yeah. so I was able to go to Memphis and do my pro day. And that's when some insecurities kicked in again because like these are some high level prospects. Like they yeah. got Kendrick Gainwell who plays for the Eagles. Uh, he's he's there, so all 32 teams are there, and these guys have been training for months in their right. own facilities, and I've been getting it in on my own almost. Well, with, with my like, teammate and like my coach pulling a rocket yeah, balboa, exactly, in exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. like man, but I I get there and and I perform pretty well, and after that pro day, yeah, I'm talking like 14 teams, yeah, and then I. Ended up getting an interview with NFL, which I still don't understand. I don't know how it happened today, but I did an interview with Good Morning Football on NFL Network. Like, oh week, wow, yeah yeah yeah, 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 like a week before the draft, and I could just feel I could see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, um, didn't think I would get drafted, but I was like, I'm gonna at least get a phone call right. for the draft. And so, NFL draft rolls around. I'm with my family in DC. Got everybody up there. Uh, don't get drafted. You know, a little disappointed. Not that I, like I said, I didn't expect to, but it still was tough having all your loved ones around and you don't yes. see your name get called. And we were at a restaurant in D.C. and I remember walking out of the restaurant and my cousin was in D.C. He's like basically like an uncle to me uh, since I had been up there at the academy. And I'm crying and we're walking down the street and he's like, you know, it's all good. Like you've accomplished things in life. Like, you know, we always say, God just help me understand, you know, right. give me the um, clarity to help me understand what you're trying to do. And by the time we get to the end of the street, I got a call from my agent, and he said uh, that the Chiefs wanted to sign me. And I was like, what? You know, let's do it. And then, like, right after that, he called me and said the Buccaneers wanted to sign me. And I was like, I'd rather go to Tampa. My dad had played with one of their coaches right. in college. And so I was like, I'd rather go somewhere where I got a mutual connection. And I mean, it's you sure, You sure it was not? <laughs> and I was like, also, also, it's Tampa. You know, they just won the Super Bowl. They got, they got Hall of Famers. They got the GOAT. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go to Tampa, right? But man, you talk about a crazy journey just getting that call. And like, it just felt unreal. Right. You know, it's like, man, this is stuff you think about when you're four or five yeah. years old. You first start playing the game. And I can't even. I can't even fathom it. It's, you know, I can't even fathom. It. I typically try to like. I do a lot of like reflection yeah. just on my life. I think it's a good practice to do, and I, I just try to remember the emotions I had in that moment. And it's like, it still feels unreal. Right. You know, getting a phone call, seeing your mom crying, embracing her, like seeing the look in your dad's face, like, like man, you really just did this. You Dude, know, you're 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 there, and you can taste yeah. now. Like I'm so close. Yeah. To it's like to it's, doing you, this. every everything's in your hand, and when you yeah. work for something. And it wasn't given to you. Mm. It just feels so much better. That's why I don't take shortcuts in life. Because of that type of situation. It's like, I know what it feels like to literally put everything on the line, not knowing what's going to come of it. Right. Not knowing if it's going to be worth it. Like, training, not knowing if you're going to have a pro day. You know, like, declaring for the draft, not knowing if you even get invited to the showcase or the hula bowl. You know what I'm saying? Like, when I declared, I ain't, none of that stuff was in motion. Like, I had no idea about the College Gridiron Showcase. No idea about the Hula Bowl. Like, all I knew was, like, 
I felt God was nudging me to move forward. And like I said before, that wasn't me saying I felt like God was telling me, hey, I'm going to make sure you make it to the NFL. But I felt like God was like, hey, I got a journey to take you on. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to tell you how it's going to result, but I got a journey to take you on. And you're right. going to be better because of it. Right. And so signed the NFL contract, and that's where I was at that moment, May 1st. Right. So you're there <laughs> at rookie camp, right? You're there. Did you did you already were you already working with uh, with with the military, military yeah. in order to get your <laughs> this is where everything is exemption crazy. this is where everything is crazy yeah. so I got declared in December of 2020 January 2021 me and a couple other guys that were trying to go we had a meeting with the school so at the time it's a policy DTM zero nine one one I think I used to know it by heart but now I don't. I think that's it though. I think that's it. <laughs> so President Trump put that policy in in 2019 to allow service academy athletes to delay their commissioning and go play in the NFL. Right. You basically submit a waiver, right? So it's it's a policy. Right. My quarterback the year before, Malcolm Perry, had used it. Some guys from Army, some guys from Air Force had used it. So it's an active policy, right? right? Like people had already done it. And so cool. So we meet with them. I tell them like, hey, this is what I want to do. They're like, okay, cool. They're like, at the time, you know what I'm saying? Nobody really thinks I can make it happen. Right. Right. And so they're basically like, you know, let's wait to see what happens before we submit the package. Like, we just don't want to go through this hassle to submit it. Then you don't get picked up. Right. Now you're commissioning wait. You know, it makes kind of sen- makes sense. Yeah. But to me, it was kind of like almost a slap in the face because like, oh, you don't believe I can do it, but whatever. And so. It is. It is. Yeah. I mean, honestly, know, it, yeah, it should it's, be it's already put out there. Yeah. Because it's yeah. supposed to be, the yeah. package has to be submitted 90 days prior to graduation. Right. right? right. But they, I mean, they said, oh, we did the same thing for Malcolm. So I'm like, cool. I'm not Malcolm, though, but cool, whatever. Yeah. I'm like, whatever, you know, I got faith in God, whatever's going to work out. So cool. So that was in January. So after I get signed, now we're moving the muscle a little bit faster yeah. and we get the package submitted. And they're like, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be good to go. So I get that submitted. Go down to rookie mini camp two weeks after the draft. It's like May 14th, May 13th. Um, so I get down there to rookie minicamp, and being an undrafted rookie, right, free agent, trying to make a team, you gotta stand out early. Right. Like, like you're you're at least just small. Like you gotta make stuff happen. And so going down there, rookie minicamp is really like a walkthrough, though. Almost like it's just for rookies to get acclimated to the team. Like it's right. only us down there and a couple guys that they have trying out, but the vets aren't there. Two year guys aren't there. It's literally just the rookies for real. And so I'm like, man, I gotta find a way to make a play. I was like, I gotta do something. To stand out to show that I, I hold some kind of value and I remember first practice man I was same thing like when I was down there in Tampa in the hotel room it's crazy I had I was in a hotel room feeling the same kind of fear insecurity this is after you know signing the NFL country right, right. you would think like you know I got some more faith in myself yeah, and some confidence yeah. but I still like man I don't feel like I belong down here like yeah. I'm nervous scared scared of failing and I was in my room the night before the hotel, uh, before the first day of rookie minicamp. I got a text from my little brother, and it was a picture of like a journal entry. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at, I'm like, what is this? And it was a journal entry he had wrote when I was in Hawaii for the hula bowl. And it's basically like him just asking God like to give me the strength and the confidence. Like he was like, I believe he's a great player. He just gets down on himself sometimes, but make this happen for him. Like he right. deserves it. And right. I was like, man, like I said earlier, like. I feel like in different situations, you find a why to drive you forward. Yeah. And so that was the boost I needed that night. Get to rookie minicamp, first day of practice, I get a pick six. And so 
that was all I needed to be like, yeah, I belong. Yeah. And I had a pretty good rookie mini camp making plays, you know, articles coming out. Like, oh, undrafted rookie. Yeah. You know, it's like, this guy got a shot. I was like, they're like, he might make the team. Like, he, he looks really good out here. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, Galatians 6 9 says, don't give up because in proper time you'll reap a harvest. You know, don't grow weary in doing what's right because you're going to reap a harvest. Mm -hmm. And so when I was in Tampa that first time, I really felt like this was my harvest. Right. You know, everything I had been through, all the things I had overcome, like, I was finally, and this is like from when I was in eighth grade, riding the bench, being undersized in ninth grade, Vandy not offering, you know, all of that I felt led to this moment. I'm like, I'm finally reaping the harvest. Right. Like, and it, I was on top of the world. And so had to go back to Navy to graduate the next week. Uh, I was class president. And so I had the opportunity to give a speech at graduation. So I'm, you know, just signed an NFL contract, about to speak at the Naval Academy graduation, meet the vice president, first African-American woman to be yeah. vice president. You can't paint no. <laughs> a better picture for my life right now. Like, I'm like on this, top is, of this the, is like, yeah, like it's, it's like, it's, you know, I'm on top of the world. Yeah. Um, and so I get back to Navy on that Monday or Sunday night, go through the day Monday at my sponsor's house Monday. I get an email it's from the commandant of midshipmen. It was basically like our dean of students almost. And... It was an email, like a meeting request for tomorrow. I'm like, a meeting request? Like, why does coming out want to meet with me? I'm like, maybe some graduation planning or something. But then I click on the email, and it's me, my battalion officer, and there was a guy in my grade that was trying to play professional baseball. He was in the email, and his battalion officer was in the email. So I was like, can't be, can't be good. So I text my battalion officer. I'm like, hey, sir, do you know anything about this? And he's like, no. I'm like, Phew. And so... I barely sleep that night. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm restless. I'm like, man, this can't be good. Go to the meeting the next day, and I'm we're in the conference room. It's the four of us, and then the commandant walks in, and he's like, hey, I called you all into this meeting because, unfortunately, the acting secretary of the Navy didn't approve y'all's package to go play professional sports. <laughs> and I just remember, like, just sitting there like, like, what? You know, I just signed a three-year, $2.1 million contract. I had just been through all that to go to the NFL. And now three days before graduation, four days before graduation, you're telling me I can't do it, mm -hmm. right? And my mom always said, you know, life's not fair. Right. And it's a different type of experience when you're experiencing that in real time. And I was like, did he give you a reason? And he was like, no. He was like, I was like, is there a pill process for this? He was like, no, it's final decision. Like, you got a commission. And I'm just like, like, what? Like, <laughs> and it's crazy because in that time... You know, I had a lot of decisions to make because I knew once I commissioned, I would be under big Navy policy. Right. And it was just going to be harder to make this happen. Like, yeah. Um, and so I had some people like, oh, maybe you shouldn't graduate this and that. But I was class president. I had to give a speech. You know, like these are, <laughs> these are monumental moments. It's like I'm not about to throw that away because it is. And so I decided not to tell anybody but my family and those close to me yeah. because I didn't want this to I didn't want graduation to all of a sudden come about me. Right. Like I wanted it to stay focused on my classmates. And so I just kept it under the radar. But in doing that, I was kind of living like a double life for a week because people still, oh, how's Tampa? Oh, you going back? This and that, this and that. Like, I'm literally doing interviews on ESPN. I can't even. You know, wow, NFL wow. Network. Like, I'm doing all these interviews. Like, people, I just feel like a fraud. Yeah. Like, and I mean, I, I go to graduation. I, I give the speech, right? Like, what an experience. Um, but... <laughs> It's funny because nobody in that audience really knew. Like, you know, it's thousands of people in the stadium. They didn't know Dude, what I was I going through. I saw the photo 
yeah. with you and uh, Vice President Kamala Harris. Yeah. And you're all smiles. All smiles. You wouldn't know. I would wouldn't never know. have thought that this is happening at that moment. You know, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, the Bible says the Lord doesn't give you a spirit of fear. Yeah. You know, he gives you that, that spirit of strength. Right. And, and, and that's what you look like. like that. You, looked, yeah. you looked like basically... Yeah. Proud you that you up there. A hundred percent. You looked uh, like there's there's things I'm I'm about to do great things. Right. You know. And yeah. Yeah. I would I would never I would never have thought 100% that this was all because happening. I couldn't let them see me down. Yeah. You know. It's like and I mean the acting secretary of the navy was at our graduation. Shook his hand. Ugh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like he probably didn't even know I was the guy. He yeah, did not. Right. Yeah. And so it's it's tough when life hits you with situations like that that are literally out of your control and you can't do anything about it. But all you have, all of the the only thing you have ability to do is control how you respond. Yeah. And so I always try to respond taking the higher road, right? So I mean, I give that speech. You know, it's hard for me. I'm not gonna act like it wasn't hard, but like you just said, you wouldn't have known. Yeah. Um, because that was big for me to be there give my best for my classmates get up there give my speeches mm -hmm. if i still had everything going well for me because they deserved that they didn't right. deserve me to get up there and be moping and crying and complaining you no, know what they, i'm saying they, like, they, yeah, yeah yeah this wasn't about me this was about my class and this is a monumental moment very like smart. you're graduating from the number one good. public school in the country yeah. like commissioned as an officer in the navy like that's one of the things that people get mistaken sometimes they think I didn't want to serve I'm like I went to the Navy knowing I was going to serve I'm like what are you talking about right <laughs> I just wanted to do something that everybody else is doing right and on top of that that same year Air Force had three players Army had one player they all got approved I was the only one that got denied and I think that's that's the only thing that bothers me mm -hmm. the most is like why aren't people like really paying attention to that aspect more you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying like you got three players from Air Force, one player from West Point, and it's one Navy guy that gets denied. Mm -hmm. Yet you're trying to say, I'm not trying to serve. But you're only talking about me. You're not talking about them. Yeah. You're not talking about me. And I strategically made sure to do everything the right way at the academy. I'm not saying that I was perfect, but honor roll student, right? Never had my GPA slip below 3-0. Team captain, class president. Um, no honor offenses, no conduct offenses, very involved in the school, right? Mm -hmm. Because not that I knew I was going to go to the NFL, but I never wanted to have anybody to be at a point in something. Be like, uh, maybe this is why. But you the know, thing is, though, is that people are going to point oh, regardless, regardless. 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 <laughs> and, I, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I... I get what you're saying. Yeah. And you did everything in, within your yeah. control, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. People are going to talk. People are going to talk. You people know, people are going to hate no matter what, right? Yeah. It's like, it's funny. I was just, I'm, I was reading the book of John and mm. it's talking about Jesus, right? And he says, you know, John the Baptist came and he was in the wilderness, right? Didn't drink, didn't do any of the debauchery like, and people looked at him as if he was some kind of crazy person, mm. like, because he was so isolated, so focused mm. on God. He said, then I came into the world and I'm social, you know, I, I'm drinking, I'm eating, and now I'm a, a drunkard yeah. and somebody who's on, uh, who's glutinary, I think is the word. But basically he was saying like, dang if you do, dang if you don't, right? You know what I'm saying? Like people are always going to say something to, about you, right? It's and no so matter what. I wish I knew it at that time, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah. That's, 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 what, that's what human nature really yeah. comes down yeah. to is that, you know, People just want to. They want to really offend yeah. people. Yeah. It's it whether it's it's deep subconsciously, whether it's overt. They just yeah. want to get you. 
you know, and then ah, I got exactly. And that's why you can't really pay it any mind. Yeah. Like you can't live your life trying to approve people, but yeah. uh, to get approval from people because people's opinions change every day. Every day. And so when you try to please something, like people ask, like, why do you believe in God? Yeah. Because I'm like, God is consistent. Consistent. Same <laughs> I know. I know what day. I'm striving for every yeah. single day when I'm working to please God. Yeah. But when I'm trying to please people, when I'm trying to get the approval of somebody else. Man, one day they're rocking with me, the next day they aren't. One day they like this, the next day they don't. I'm like, it's too inconsistent. Why would I focus on pleasing them mm-hmm. when I got a God who's consistent and has already outlined what he expects from me? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of another lesson that I've learned from that. But yeah, so that that's where I am in that moment, man. I graduate, I commission, and now it's like, now what now? Yeah. Right? And Well, because well, here's the thing that I read. Right. And, and I just want to know, because you were not telling anybody. So I read that Marco Rubio, Senator Marco Rubio, right. wrote a letter on your behalf. Well, this is how we got there. Yeah. <laughs> this is how we got there. So, boom, I graduate. I go back to Tampa uh, to get my stuff, whatever. Don't really don't really tell any other rookie except for a uh, couple. But I get my stuff. I go back to Memphis, right? After you graduate from the academy, you get 30 days of leave, paid leave. Mm. And it's like... I had some people like, oh, you should just stay in Tampa, like, continue to work out and stuff. Right. You're going to leave. I'm like, nope, I can't give them a reason. Yeah. You know, if I do that, I look defiant. And so we're trying to work, me and my agency, some people I know, we're trying to work the back channels. You know, I'm writing letters to my senator, trying to find some people in the government, military, like, try to get something shaped, and nothing's happening. And so mandatory minicamp reporting date was, like, June 7th. You don't report the minicamp, you're not going to be on the team, right? right? Like, it's, minicamp, mandatory minicamp is everybody. Right. It don't matter if you're Tom Brady or the Dominican Sioux, Devin White, like everybody got to be there. Right. And so at this point, I've missed OTAs, I've missed workouts, and like that was so vital for me because as an undrafted rookie, as I said, it's a mountain to climb. Right. Also, come from Navy, it's like we have a great program, but we don't have all the resources these other programs have. Right. And right. so when I was in Tampa, I finally felt like I was on an even playing field. Right. Literally had everything I needed from nutrition, recovery, like it was. I, I knew my trajectory was about to be crazy, right. and then now I'm missing all that. So now I got reporters DMing me from Tampa, like, "Hey, haven't seen you out here. What's going on?" They're like I said, they was writing yeah. articles about me when I was in minicamp. Like they're like, like I saw them. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 They're like, "What's going on?" And so I'm not responding. I'm like, you know, I, I'm like, you'll see in a couple of days. You right. know, right. Mandatory minicamp comes around, so they don't have any answers. So I just put out a statement, right? And I'm not thinking much of it. I just put out a statement detailing what happened. I'm like, you know, I got denied. Like, um, wasn't given a reasoning. You know, four other academy guys this year are doing it. Like three academy guys last year mm-hmm. used the policy. I'm just kind of trying to see what happened with me. So I just put that out, and I tweet that statement out, post it on Instagram. And the thing blew up, like blew up instantly mm-hmm. and it was so crazy because it started off like interviews just in Memphis right I'm doing local interviews like literally I spent that first day driving around from news station to news station to news station in Memphis is I'm getting exhausted right but it's kind of at the same time you know it's kind of cool you're getting a little right. bit of recognition right. but just human nature um it's cool to see people care about you they care about your story like I'm going in a grocery store like people are recognizing me mm-hmm. from the TV it's pretty cool but then you know these interviews start picking up. I'm doing more and more interviews mm-hmm. every day. Now I'm not I'm not working out because I'm sitting in front of a Zoom camera every day. Right. Um, and on top of that, the more publicity the story got, the more 
comments were coming to social media. You know, people like, oh, he needs to shut up and serve, or oh, he's wasting slots, like he's a waste of time, blah, blah, blah. whatever. You know, people have their opinion, but it's affecting me a little bit, yeah. right? And like I said, they, I mean, the interview process was cool. Like, I'm on CNN with Don Lemon, you know, I'm on Fox yeah. and Friends, Good Morning America. Like, it's like, man, this is crazy. My story is nationwide, right? right? But that goes on for about two weeks and it dies down after. So I'm like, because yeah. everything has a show. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, you know, it is what it is. Like, yeah. cool, people know about the story now, but nothing's changed, right. you know? Like, even people are in the Armed Forces Committee meeting on the Hill and they're asking the acting secretary of the Navy, like, yo, why are you not approving them? And he's like, well, you know, David Robinson, Roger Staubach, you know, people that played 50 years before me, whatever. He's like, they served first. But I'm like, whatever. Like, at this point, I'm like, you know, I don't get it, but it's, it's time for me to transition and just focus on the military. Right. And so as I'm making that transition, like, I'm hanging out with some friends one night. And one of my boys is like, yo, did you see Twitter? I'm like, no, nah, what you talking about? Right. And he's like, Marco Rubio just tweeted you. Truth be told, I didn't know who he was at the time. Just truth be told. Truth be told. <laughs> and so I get on Twitter and I, I see, you know, as a senator and I'm like, cool. And he's like, I plan on writing a letter to President Biden. I'm like, President Biden? He's going to see this and, you know, he's, this is the president of the country. He got more stuff right. to worry about. Right. I don't think anything of it, right? And so I'm in Memphis, like, until the last week of June. And I'm getting, the weekend before I'm getting ready to head back, I get a call from the assistant to the assistant secretary of the Navy. And he's like, hey, we want to meet with you when you get back to Annapolis on, like, Monday or Tuesday. Right. I'm like, okay, cool. I was like, what about it? It was like, we can't really disclose it. You yeah. just got to meet with you at the academy. So, cool. I get back to the academy, and we meet in the same room where I got denied by the commandant. And they call me in there, and they're like, you know, we think we found a loophole. I'm like, oh, so there is a appeal process <laughs> after a month, but whatever. And so we end up submitting a package to... Uh, get my commission and taken away to get my package re-reviewed right and they were like it's not a guarantee but this is the only option we have and then i think it was like july 5th um i got a call from the secretary of defense and he was like you know we made that well so actually july 5th that morning i got a call from the assistant again and he was like hey be on standby for a call mm -hmm. from the secretary of defense with his decision and so after that i just got on twitter and tweeted god's plan and it was quoted by officer, like a reporter from the Pentagon saying, Secretary of Defense set to reverse the decision, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, wait, what? You know? <laughs> so then my phone instantly started blowing up. People are like, oh, this is true, this is true. I'm like, man, I don't know. Like, I'm not, all I was told was to wait for a phone call. Yeah. I'm not getting my hopes up. I've learned that lesson. I'm not doing yeah. it. And so then later that afternoon, man, I got a call from the Secretary of Defense, Secretary Austin. And you, you you actually called myself. He called yourself. So I'm driving. Wow. I, I had just left the golf range and hanging out with some friends. I'm driving home. Um, I'm in Maryland, and I get a call, and I'm like, "Who is this?" You know, it's like a, the area code for Arlington, Virginia. Right. I'm like, and so the phone. I'm like, "Hello." He was like, "Hello, is this Cameron?" I'm like, "Yeah, this is this is Cameron." Like, who is this? He's like, hey, this is Secretary Austin. I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, my bad, my bad. So yeah, so we talked, and yeah, he was just saying he like he he's really behind it, and it yeah. felt good to hear that from him. Like the Secretary of Defense is behind right. it, right? right? So everybody else was talking about the policy, like right. the Secretary of Defense is supporting it, and so he made the reversal to allow me to go back down. And then the next day, I got a call from the um, Chairman of the Joint Chief of Staff, General Milley. While I was working out, he calls me. I'm like, hello, is this? And it's like, in the world? <laughs> so I'm like, oh, snap. What in the world? I stopped working out. But he tells me something crazy. I'm like, and so we talking. He's like, yeah, I'm super behind this. I'm like, 
so if you don't mind me asking, like I appreciate you and your support. I'm just trying to find a disconnect. Like how how did everything get turned around? Like where was like why wasn't there any input? He was like, Well, it never made it up to the desk mm-hmm. for the Secretary of Defense. It got denied by the Acting Secretary of Navy. Mm-hmm. He was like, but then President Biden came to him and asked him about the situation and was like, Hey, figure out something to do about this. And Insane. so the president say, yeah, you want to know, though, that just tells me right there. The football <laughs> is king <laughs> in America. You know, when the president's there going, hey, we got a problem. Well, you know, they, they, don't, like, you know, they don't like the attention, like, you know, negative attention going to the military. Right. Yeah. Which I wasn't trying to bring any negative. Attention. No, I just no, thought, yeah. no. You're you're just telling your side. Exactly. And the thing is, is that you didn't say, oh, and then they did this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and then they did that. It's no, just, I kept it. This I is, kept it. Yeah. This, this is, is you this kept is it 100. You kept it a hundred and it's the truth mm-hmm. right but people are gonna take it and, oh, and, yeah. and break it down and look at it and it, well, that's the worst part of oh, words is that people can try they to can insinuate all the time yeah because it's like if it's not all expletive that it could be inferred that exactly. this is this and so then you're trying to take an inference and something like that was never supposed to be yeah that and so yeah, it's 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 the worst part about yeah. words, especially yeah. Twitter. Twitter because you oh, can't yeah, be very descriptive. Yeah, you, <laughs> like, I'm you. and you're so, limited. And then people saying stuff like you can't respond because you know as soon as you respond, you're gonna get labeled. No, no, you so, don't want to do that yeah, too. Yeah, because yeah. then you get into this whole time exactly. like war and then exactly. it's just like what is and this? So work? you just ignore it and take the higher road. And for me, it fortunately ended up working out yeah. finally, right? Um, and so yeah, so I get that call. He tells me everything, how everything went down. And so now this is what, July like 6th, July 7th, I got to report to training camp yeah. in two weeks. Yeah. Right? Um, and so during that time, I had been working out a little bit, but not working out like I should have been. Right. Like just truth be told, that's the, one of the biggest regrets I have. But I just had to protect my mental health mm-hmm. during that time because mm-hmm. uh, it was just rough and it was draining. And so now I get the opportunity to go back down there, but truth be told, like it just didn't. I didn't feel like I was on the even playing field again, right. right? And I knew I had an uphill mountain to climb. Like, I had missed all the workouts, OTAs, mandatory minicamp. And I'm like, man, like, at this point, I was like, I really wish they just didn't reverse it. Because yeah. then I would have never had to wonder what would have happened. You know, like, my last memory of football would have been, like, balling out rookie minicamp. Yeah. Who knew what could have been? You right. know, like a 30 for 30 type. But now I'm like, now I got a opportunity to fail again. And then everybody was saying, like, oh, He's not good enough to play anyway. He's gonna be right. Yeah, here's 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 the way I look at it: is yeah. that it's not that you're not good enough. It's the fact that it was yeah. that decision you had to mentally lock yourself yeah. into what you yeah. had to lock yourself into at that point. Mm-hmm. You had no idea yeah. that your little tweet was gonna make it to Senator Marco right. Rubio. Yeah. You know, you don't you don't. You think had about no that. idea. You yeah. had no idea that the president was going to get involved. Yeah, is you don't you don't you, you had no idea. So now you're going there to do this. Yeah. And let's face it, you're probably not in the greatest oh, mental no. headspace at oh, that no. point because no. you've been stressing over this See, and you, stressing you over get that. It. You get it, right? So you're one of the few that get it. To me it's like that's something that you can't overcome to an extent, I agree. You know, because yeah. it's like I need to know these things. I need to know what's going on. Oh, thousand percent. People, people, and it's not easy. Yeah. I mean, being a professional athlete, <laughs> if anything, is not easy. Oh no, 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 no. Right, but people need those things that are lined up, and now all of a sudden you're throwing this on you. You're throwing mm-hmm. this on you when it should be just you just concentrating exactly on football. Exactly, and that was the first time in my life when I was there in rookie minicamp 
then I was only focused on football. Yeah. Naval Academy, you're balancing academics, military, you know what I'm saying, social life Whole and thing. football. Yeah. And it's a, a real academic institution. Yeah. Like you're taking electrical engineering, chemistry, physics, calculus. So it's like to be able to just focus on football, I was like, man, my I'm my potential is this the uh sky's the limit. Right. And so I get back down there to Tampa and first couple weeks I'm struggling. Yeah. Like just struggling real bad, like no confidence, no swagger like I had the first time I was down there. And it was rough, man. And I was just, like, not happy. Yeah. Like, that that time in Tampa, I was just not happy. I was like, man, this sucks. You know, and it, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm in a meeting room with Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Like, that I, was going to be one of my questions. Yeah, like, did you, you, know, did yeah, you meet yeah, Tom Brady? I, yeah. Like, I met Tom Brady. I'm on the same field against Tom Brady. I'm going against Tom Brady. Like, these people won't be able to say that in their life, yeah. right? So... I'm lining up what a blessing my, that must have been! Oh, for sure. You you for you sure. had to line up against the goat. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. It, it feels surreal, right? Yeah. Like it just feels unreal when I think about it. But like that—that's what I was doing. Yeah. And it's like anybody else would have been happy to be in my situation, but yeah. for some reason I just felt like this wasn't how it was supposed to be scripted. That's yeah. how I felt. Right. I felt like it wasn't supposed to be scripted like that. Um, and so halfway through training camp. Like the well, the first like month of training camp, first couple of weeks, I'm down there. I got another sponsor family in Maryland. They just so happened to be in Tampa, and I hadn't gotten my graduation gift from them yet. They're like, "Hey, can we just meet you in the hotel? Give you your gift?" I'm like, "Yeah, cool. I got some time." And I'm talking with them, and they're like, "You know how's things going?" I said, "I'm yeah. not gonna lie, like I'm struggling. Yeah, like I'm don't feel like I'm supposed to be down here. Like I I just can't get into a groove. Like I just I'm just not happy. It doesn't feel like it doesn't feel the same." Um, and it's crazy, their gift for me was the Maxwell Leadership Bible. And great commentary in that Bible. And they just prayed for me that night, you know, and it just did something to my spirit. Mm. And when I got back to my hotel room, I was like, you know, you're here for a reason. You know, like don't don't sit in this time worrying so much that you're not appreciating, you know. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Because the thing is, too, is that... I was, that was one of the questions when I asked you is like, even though you miss all that time, did you appreciate being on that field with some of these guys? I do now. Can't say At I that did. moment then, no. Can't but say I now, did. Can't yeah. say I did um, yeah. because I was just so worried about failing. Yeah. And I was so worried about, like I said, I did interviews on all the major networks yeah. in the U.S. And so yeah. you know how media works. When a story ends, the story has to get reported on again. Yeah. And so I'm like, as soon as I get cut... It's going to be blasted on these networks again, right? Then I got to look at people's comments again. Mm-hmm. And I just, I hate that that was my mindset, but that's just, I couldn't get out of it, right? Well, it's hard when yeah. you're in that, right? Yeah, and that's stuck. the thing is that you were you were directly in that. It's not like, yeah. I mean, you're removed from that. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. like, this was my reality. And so, um, yeah, so after I meet with my sponsor parents, mm-hmm. though, they pray for me, my spirit gets renewed. I I just flipped the switch, mm-hmm. you know, and at this point it's about two and a half weeks in the training camp, three weeks in, which is honestly probably too late, but I'm balling now, right? Yeah. I'm starting to look like the same guy that was down there at rookie minicamp making plays on the ball, moving around a lot better. I'm like, you know, I, I might have a chance if I keep yeah. this up. First preseason game rolls around against the Bengals. My parents fly in, little league coaches fly in, like one of my, my big brother's best friend, like a big brother me, he comes up for the game. Like, man, it's, you know, it's it's great to be around family. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I'm on the NFL field, like in Raymond James Stadium. Like, this is the NFL. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm on the NFL field, and 
I'm out here playing in the NFL. Yeah. Like I'm looking at my jersey and I'm looking at my name on the back of an NFL jersey, putting on NFL. Like it, it's just it's it's crazy. Yeah. And I have a, a pretty solid preseason game. Finished second in tackles. Don't yeah, give up any was big it catches. Like five five tackles. Yeah, like five or six something yeah, like that. Don't yeah. give up any big plays. You know, made a couple mistakes of course, but. I was coming downhill. Like, tackling was my weakness yeah. my whole career. Right. And in that game, I was making every tackle I need to make. Yeah. And it's like, I was like walking off that field. Like, you know, I made it to another week. Yeah. Because that was the biggest thing. Like, cuts are after every for every preseason game. I was like, I at least bought myself another week and right. another chance, right? That's the worst thing you do in life, though, is to feel like you're entitled to another yeah. opportunity. And so, whatever, I, I meet with my parents after the game. We're in the hotel, killing, chilling. Like, they're all, like, super excited. Like, man, like. You know, I'm proud. Like, yeah. And my parents didn't get to see me play my senior year in college for real because of COVID. Right. And so that was an opportunity to, for them to see me on the field again. Like in the NFL, living out you, to see your child living out his dream. Yeah. I know that had to be special for them. Even like my little league coaches and my big <clears throat> brothers, like to be able to see me doing that, it had to be like, you know, like, look at that, man. Yeah. And I remember the next day we all went to brunch and they're all super excited. Like everybody's like, oh, you're going to have such a great career talking, like speaking into my life. But I just feel uneasy. I'm like, it, it just, I'm not receptive of it, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I take my parents to the airport. I drop them off. They're like, hey, we'll see you next week. We'll come back down here for when y'all play the Titans. I'm like, cool. Going to the, I'm about to go to the team hotel. So I'm driving to the team hotel to, you know, get some rest. And about 10 minutes after dropping them off, I get a call from the Buccaneers. I'm like, this is weird. It's Sunday. We're off. And so I answer the phone. I'm like, hello? Uh, hey, what's going on, Karen? What you up to? I'm like, you know, nothing much. Just dropped my parents off at the hotel. I mean, at the airport. About to go back to the team hotel. And I'm like, well, you don't, you don't need to do that. Like, we decided to release you today. You're no longer a Buccaneer. And we're talking like less than 12 hours Whoa. after the game. Whoa. And I'm just sitting there like, like, what? Are we serious right now? Like, I've been back down here for like a month and some change. Like. And I don't really say anything for a while. They're like, hello. I'm like, yeah, I'm here. I got you. I'll be on the way. And so I was like, you know, I'm not going to cry. I was like, I'm going to get to the facility. I don't want to see them. I don't want them to see me crying, like head held high, you know. Mm -hmm. And I get to the facility. I check out, whatever. Like they hand you a bag to go clean out your locker. I don't really take anything out my locker just because I'm so sick. Yeah. Looking back, that was foolish of me. I should have took everything. But <laughs> <laughs> I was so sick, right? And then I go talk to the, you know, the GM, yeah. going to his office. He's like, you know, it's a privilege, this and that. I'm like, you know, thank you. And so then I get back in my truck and I'm driving to go pick my parents. Well, so after I got off the phone with him, I called my parents. I was like, hey, you know, I just got released. Yeah. And my older brother had played in the NFL, so he, they've already, they're already familiar with the process. But my mom thought I was joking with her. I was like, nah, I wasn't joking yeah. about this. Yeah. Time, for real. She's like, well, what you want to do? I'm like, I mean, I'm about to go check out, get my stuff in the hotel, and I'm driving back to Memphis today. Like, I don't want to be here. And they're like, okay, we'll cancel our flight. Like, pick us up and we'll drop yeah. back with you. And so after I leave the facility, I'm driving back to the hotel to get them. And I'm just driving and like, I can just feel the tears getting heavier and heavier, heavier in my eyes. And I'm just trying to like, you know, just hold it together. Yeah. But then it's like, it, it just all just falls out. And I'm, I'm like literally bawling my eyes out driving in Tampa. And I'm just, I'm asking myself, you know, what's the point? Yeah. I was like, truth be told, like, this is one of the first times in my life I questioned God. I said, you know, what's the point in believing in God, taking the higher road, doing all things the right way if you're just going to end up like this? I'm like, what was the point of doing all that if I was just going to get cut in the first round? You know, like, why yeah. would I put myself through all of that just to end up like this? And 
I, I was just torn apart and I picked my parents up from the airport and I'm just, that's the whole car ride right back to Memphis for real. Like I'm banging on the steering wheel like what's, like what's the point of this? And I go into a really dark place for like probably about a month when I get back to Memphis. Yeah. I'm in a really dark place. Like I'm ashamed, I'm embarrassed, like don't really want to be around anybody. Like it, it's just rough. Um, and my dad still coaches at my high school. Like he was starting to make me come to practice a little bit, but I just, I just didn't feel connected. Yeah. You know, got a chance to go see my little brother play, which is I didn't get to do a lot because I played right. in college too, and like, it was cool to see him play. But I just didn't feel connected to the game. Mm. You know, like that that drive, that passion. Like I didn't feel like working out. Like we were still talking to a couple teams, my agents, but it's just like man, I'm, I felt so disconnected and drained. And like I said, I was in a dark place for about a month. And then one of my mentors reached out to me and she wanted me to come speak to her students. Yeah. And, you know, at the time, like, I had done, you know, some stuff on Zoom with her students. You know, I spoke at graduation. Like this, I didn't, I was not formally like a speaker, but right. I, I've spoke in interviews and stuff like that. Whoa, whoa. So you're not formally a speaker? Because I, I'll tell you right now. I wasn't at the time. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'll tell you right now, uh, some of your Facebook stuff has been very powerful. No, nah, I appreciate that. Like, yeah. yeah. But at the time, it's like, like I just like to speak, yeah. you know. I wasn't really like a formal speaker. Mm -hmm. But she asked me to come speak to her students. She's teaching at an alternative school in Memphis. <clears throat> it's like a program that deals with kids who have been in trouble a little yeah. bit and they're trying to get them back on the right path. I'm like, yeah, I come speak to them. I'm like, what you want me to talk to them about? David? She was just like, you know, talk about your story and yeah. some of the lessons that you've learned. Um, and so then I go speak to, I agree to it. And as I'm driving to go speak to the students, you know, I'm getting like butterflies and stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's weird. You know, same thing I used to get in the locker room pregame. I'm like, this is weird. Like, I'm not, I spoke at graduation in front of thousands. You know what I'm saying? I've been on national TV. Like, why am I nervous? But here you are right yeah. now. And you're about to bear something, yeah, right? You know, I'm like, yeah. why am I nervous? And then, like, I go into the room and I see a lot of young black men that look like me. And... It just look like they're hungry for something. Yeah. You know, like they, they're hungry for some hope. They're hungry for a push. And I just kind of just like share my story, you know, everything I went through. And it's funny because in that moment when I was sharing my story, um, I detail everything I just detail with, you know, up to the point of me getting cut. And in that moment, I realized, you know, sometimes it's the journey that teaches you a lot about the <laughs> You know, it's like, it, it, like literally in that moment, I said, man, this is crazy. Like, I went through all of that yeah. so that I could stand before y'all today to let you know that adversity is not the final final thing for you. You know, that the value in life isn't in position, isn't in paper, it's like it's in purpose. Right. You know, like you're gonna go through different difficult circumstances, like, but you can keep going forward, you can keep prevailing, you can keep moving forward. But in order to do that, like, y'all realize it's not about you. Yeah. You gotta remove yourself from the situation. And leaving that school, I felt fulfilled. Yeah. And I started to, that was the beginning point of me to start understanding why I went through everything that I went through. Right. Yeah. Now, you've, you've also started a podcast called Under the Rug, mm -hmm. right? And uh, you're speaking about things within uh, your, yeah. like, like black culture, yeah, the black, black community, community yeah. right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you're able to like bring in some of that stuff that, yeah. that, that you're talking about as well yeah. into there as well. Like, as much as it must be pain, painful, mm -hmm. you have to look at as well, 
the amount of more lives that you get to be touching than just playing I'm thankful. a sport, right? Yeah, I'm thankful. But you have a journey that yeah. th- there's like a, a, a <laughs> fraction yeah. of the world's population yeah. that, that can experience yeah. some of the things that you've experienced. And it took me a while to get thankful for that. Yeah. Right? Like I say, I was in a dark place and I say I go speak there, right? And I wish I could say after that, it was like, oh, back on God's purpose for my life, right? But, you know, when you... When you want something, it's hard to let it go, yeah. right? And so, but after I spoke to them, I was like, you know, I'm about to transition, get back mm-hmm. into the Navy. I'm, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm done with football. Right. Um, so I get back into the Navy, man, and it was rough. Like it was just, it was just a, it was tough being back yeah. in the uniform. Not because I wasn't happy to be serving, right? But it just, I can't even explain it. I can't put it into words. And I could probably put it into words. I mean, you probably feel discombobulated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's like you can't really speak out about it because you don't want anybody thinking like you're like I don't know. It, it was tough, right? No, how, how do you keep all that emotion <laughs> yeah, within you, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. And so it's yeah. like I, I go. I'm TADing at the yeah. academy at the time. Like, and I go to Intel School. And then that whole time, I'm still kind of finding myself. Right. Like I'm still. See, when you've been doing something for more than 80% of your life, it becomes a piece, if not the majority of your identity, yeah. right? And when you lose that, you're constantly looking for something to fill mm-hmm. that empty void. Mm-hmm. And in those times, like, you might not get fulfillment from the, like, you're not looking in the right places to right. get fulfillment. And so I really started just, like, looking for the instant gratifications for fulfillment. And it probably took me about six months, man, of just realizing I wasn't happy with what I was doing. You know, and then some of the decisions I was making. And like, I was, I was, I was turning away from God at that point, right? And he brought me back full circle. And he was like, Cam, you gotta understand something. Like, I never left you. Right. You know what I'm saying? I didn't wrong you. He said, I had to take you away from that situation before you left me. Right. And before you lost me. He, he was like, you weren't ready to handle the notoriety that came with the NFL. Like, just truth be told, like, I don't know if you would have been able to keep your focus on the right thing. Right. But now you've been humble. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now you know what it feels like to have everything in your hands and lose it all and to be back at the bottom. You know? Now now you know what it feels like. So it's like, I feel like that the past, I feel like 2022 was a big preparation year for me, like coming full circle, right? Yeah. And then... I start that podcast with my boy, my best friend back at home, and we talk about some of these issues, and I'm able to provide some insight. And I also, you know, I've, I've gotten into speaking, like, for real, for real. You know, right. like, that's my passion. That's my purpose is, like, speaking, especially to the next generation. That's what I love to do. Man. And I wouldn't be doing that. First off, I got to go back to making a decision to go to Naval Academy. If I never went to Naval Academy, who's to say I would be doing that? Yeah. If I would have never decided to go to the NFL, I would have never learned all these <laughs> lessons. And the beautiful thing about it, when I first got back to the military, like I said, I was a little unhappy. It was rough for me. But now it's like I, I serve happily every day because yeah. I realize the value in life isn't in position. It's in purpose. And it doesn't matter if I'm an officer in the military. It doesn't matter if I'm a football coach with the local yeah. high school. It doesn't matter if I'm out there speaking. That's all the same purpose. It's all a part of my purpose. Yeah. It doesn't matter what I'm wearing. It doesn't matter if I'm playing football. It doesn't matter if I'm on TV. Like... What matters is the fact that I'm walking in a purpose. Mm-hmm. And so whether I'm talking to a room full of 10 kids, mm-hmm. or I'm talking to an arena full of 5,000 people, all of that matters the same. Yeah. Like, all of it, I approach the same. Like, same thing in the military. When I'm working with my sailors, it's like, 
I want to bring them the same passion that I bring the youth or that I bring my football players when I'm coaching them because it's all the same purpose. And just think about that. All those things that you're able to bring into other people mm-hmm. just due to this, you know? Yeah. I got to tell you, uh, <laughs> I think you have bright, bright aspirations, bright future ahead of you still, Cameron. I think that uh, you're going to be doing things that is going to bring you to new heights. Mm-hmm. I appreciate More that. than just... Again, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, but your story is amazing. This is amazing. Yeah. All right. I got one question here right now because <laughs> I overheard you say something, and I'm from an I'm from another generation. Yeah. We're talking about the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> I overheard you say, and you know what? There's two schools of thoughts on this, right? For sure. For sure. There's LeBron James, and there's Michael. That, yeah. Uh, MJ. Now you 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 were just full thought of LeBron and uh, I heard your points. I'm just there going okay, okay. Yeah. What's the date? What's the what's the date for today? What's the date today? I think it's the sixth, sixth, it's, uh, or is it the seventh? It's the seventh now. February seventh. Yeah. So I, I believe LeBron is like 36 <laughs> points away. <laughs> as of today, 35 or 36 points yeah. away, something like that, <laughs> of uh, breaking the record for most points ever. Yeah. Um, and after he does that tonight. I I'm not really even entertaining the goat argument. Anymore. You know, it's like it's like it's, it's done. It's like it's like what else do you need the man to do? I mean, I'm sorry he didn't win all his championships, like, but I'm like, you know, what what else do you need to like? So when it comes to mindset, I'm taking Jordan and Kobe. Yeah, yeah, okay, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. They had yeah. a certain kind of mindset mentality to the game. Yeah, but that also for Jordan, it kind of cost him. With his image a little bit. Yeah. You know, he wasn't really involved outside of the game of basketball. Kobe started to realize that later on in his life. Unfortunately, yes. his life ended early in a tragic event. Yes. But LeBron's been doing it the whole time. I as far as that. giving back to I the give community, you that. being I a give family man, that. there's that no scandals, no nothing. Nothing. It's like, how can you not root for somebody yeah. like that? Like, people... Oh, I totally agree with you. Yeah. People Especially like, oh, when you, you heard about the Akron remodel. You know what it's yeah. like, what in the people world? Like, oh, he cries about the rest. I'm like, yeah. yo, like, look at this man. Whatever. In community. Exactly. All he does is live his life and, like, yeah. play the best basketball. And so then, like, you just look at an all-around basketball player. LeBron can play... <laughs> LeBron can play the one through the five. Jordan and Kobe can't play one through five. I'll give you that. I'll this give is you true. That. Like LeBron's the best all around. I don't know about center though. I don't know if he's gonna be the he best be center. He could be in there. He could give you probably you know what I'm saying 18 and 11 if he's down there, right? But it's like he's the best all around basketball player to play the game. It's it's hard to say he's not. Yeah. Like he scores, he passes, rebounds. Defense could be, be a little bit better, but he can play defense yeah. when he wants to, right? It's like, but don't forget, I think this and NBA, longevity. This NBA, right? Yeah, longevity. I mean, you can't. Like, the man's 38 years old. And he's still averaging, <laughs> he's averaging like 30, 30 a game. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, your pick, Super Bowl coming up. You know, I used to be a Cowboys fan, so it's really hard for me to say what I'm about to say. <laughs> it's really hard for me to say what I'm about to say. But I do got a couple boys that play for the Eagles, so I got to go with the Eagles. Whoa, whoa. And you know what? Jalen Hurts is just a dog, man. He is. He's, he he he's wants something it. else. He's hungry. He does. He's hungry. He does. I mean, he looks yeah. completely dialed in. Yeah. Uh, I think Mahomes, I mean, I already I, I said what I said about the AFC championship. I'm not going back down that road <laughs> again. But the thing is, though, is that Mahomes, uh, 
you know, he's going to have a hard time in oh, there. Oh, for sure. That, that's that's going to be a hard for time. Sure. That defense is stellar. Disgusting. The offense is Disgusting. stellar. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. The Eagles are just yeah. good for and, and, you know, I, I can't stand Eagles fans. I, I cannot stand Philadelphia <laughs> fans. But they're probably going to win the Super Bowl. Man. And so I'm not, I'm not going to let my pride interfere <laughs> my, with my prediction, you know. So I, I got to rock with the Eagles. Man. Yeah, I got to rock with the Eagles. Cameron. Yeah. Thank you so no, much for you, your man. time, my man. You. Uh, I hope thank you have you. to get you, have you back on here. Oh, and we yeah. can talk some more sports there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I tell, I told you I might talk to you about hockey, but I'm yeah. letting you off the hook. I got I to read up a little bit on it, man. I got to read up a little bit. On yeah, it. yeah. I'm letting you <laughs> off the hook. So the next time you come on, though, we're talking hockey. Yeah, though. I got I to gotta read up on it. You know, you yeah. know, we'll talk. We'll talk some PK Subban. Yeah. What do you think of PK? Yeah, well, he's I'm retired at, now. I'm going to have to look up some stuff. So like, I who's, sound like I'm talking crazy. What's he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, nah, that's good, oh, man. man. I appreciate you for having me. All right. Peace, everybody. And uh, hey, if you, if you can't, you should listen to Under the Rug. <laughs> oh, yeah. With my boy here, Cameron Kinley. And who's your who's your other? Uh, Tyler Munger. That's my best there friend in go. Memphis. Yeah. Listen Under to that. Under the Rug podcast, yeah. Also got a book coming out soon. Oh, oh, book coming out soon. It's hey. called uh, Identity: Finding Purpose Through the Storm. I'm so, looking forward to seeing all yeah. this there, and Close we're gonna to have it. you come back on when you have the book out too. Sounds good. Close to all wrapping right. it up. Close to wrapping it up. So there it is. All right, everybody. Peace. Man, tell me you didn't like Cameron. Just lie to me and tell me you didn't like him. What a guy. Listen, even better probably in person. So Cameron, thanks again. We look forward to talking to you soon. Um, Sean, any, any immediate takeaways you'd like to share from your Man. conversation with Cameron? You know, it, it was it was amazing the way he was talking about, um, you know, being on that road and, and, and just being on that field, his nerves, all of these things that are happening, and he's not able to appreciate everything that's happening in the moment, but he appreciates it now. And wondering why did he get this far only to see it all go away it was something just to, to to listen to that to listen to like how he feels like you know like everybody else when you when you don't feel that you're going to do great how you have those fears in your head how you have that uh, butterflies in your stomach that it happens to everybody it doesn't matter it doesn't matter who you are um but the whole entire thing though is like what do you do with it and and that all the way through, even though things might not have looked like the way that it should have turned out, it still turned out the way it's supposed to turn out. Yeah. And, and Cameron's just a solid, like a rock solid guy. And uh, like I said, I think the future's really bright for this guy uh, going in the future. If he wants to get into public speaking, anything like that, this guy has got the tools, the gifts. And um, yeah. But before disclosure, he was probably supposed to be gone when I showed up. He was still here, and then we ended up talking for, I don't know, an hour and 45 minutes in the green room. <laughs> so, <laughs> I kept thinking, man, we should turn the mics on and get this thing going, but we didn't. Uh, so we'll have camera back on. We'll talk about that. We had a spirited conversation. Sounds like one you guys had about uh, LeBron and Michael, who's the greatest. And yeah, so yeah. We, uh, we got some more things to do there. Absolutely. Uh, for sure. I mean, LeBron Absolutely. broke the record tonight while we were sitting here talking. Um we can talk about how scripted it felt if we want to, but you know, yeah. we'll leave that to itself. But man, kudos to LeBron for doing things that few men have done. I, for one, didn't think that record would ever be broken, uh, but here we are. LeBron it's doing the fewest games ever. So shout out to LeBron.
I even have this purple glass here just to commemorate the Lakers. <laughs> Man. Well, uh, you got a one-on-one question for me. Anyway, that show ran long, or the interview ran long, so we're going to get out of here pretty quick. But uh, we'll have a little one-on-one just to kind of mm-hmm. get it back together. Uh, I just lost my one-on-one question. You lost your one-on-one question? Yeah. Uh-oh. Just give me a second. Maybe get some filler in for me. All right. I got I got one-on-one oh, question for you. So, if you had a chance, okay, to go up against Conor McGregor or Tyson Fury, <laughs> okay. who would you pick to go up against? Who, who would what, you rather? What, what medium? We're boxing or we're just like fighting? Just straight up, straight up fighting. Straight up fighting. Oh, I'll fight Conor McGregor all day long. All day long. All day long. Didn't he gain some weight? Didn't he go up to like 170, Didn't gain as much weight as I got. <laughs> like he's not 140 no more. He's like 180 maybe. Okay. That's still not what I got. Yeah. And he's still 5'9 or whatever he is. <laughs> all right. Follow on question. going to take the champ. Follow The champ is here. <laughs> follow on question. Would you fight George St. Pierre or BJ Penn? Well, I feel like that's not an appropriate question to ask me. I mean, I'd fight either one of them. You would? Yeah. I feel like George would try to like make love to my leg like a dog in heat, but... Mm. Mm. I saw George St. Pierre... That's his fighting style. ...controlled George LaRock. I saw that. That was something. Yeah, but how big is George St. Pierre? Well, George St. Pierre is what? 5'10"? Maybe. Maybe 2'10". George LaRock it was 6'4", 240. Yeah, but they was with rules. Let's <laughs> see... You said we was fighting. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. You get your one-on-one question back. I, wanna, I think I, you, you've answered mine very I still, well. I want to know now about your... I mean, I'll still give you a different question, but, like, who was who it for you? Is it Conor McGregor or is it big, nasty Tyson Fury? No, no. I'd be fighting Conor McGregor as well. Yeah. No, I wouldn't go up against Tyson Fury. Are you kidding me? Tyson Fury's a grown man. That's a... <laughs> I'm sorry, the Gypsy King? No, no. No, no, no. Him or his brother. No. I fight Conor before I fight Tyson Fury's yeah. brother. Yeah. I'll I'll take my chances, thank you. Uh, <laughs> got a fighting chance with them other two. <laughs> them Fury brothers are big. <laughs> they are big. Uh, I want to talk about Saturday morning cartoons. Oh. What? Well, you're a little bit older. Maybe you don't have these same cartoon memories that I do. Let's see. What was the better f- cartoon for you on Saturday mornings? Is it Bugs Bunny or is it the Flintstones? Flintstones was an everyday cartoon for me. Mm. That was uh, five days a week. So you Saturday- still watch it on Saturdays? No, because it was on five days a week. So mm. Saturdays was always Bugs Bunny. Though. That was yeah. That was the cream of the Bugs is the king? Yeah. Mm. Then Tom and Jerry after that. Yeah, Tom and Jerry are probably better than Bugs Bunny, actually. Now that I think about it. You hot? Maybe. What would you, <laughs> no, but think about now. Like, what would you watch now? Would you rather watch Bugs Bunny now or Tom and Jerry now? Oh, I still would watch Bugs Bunny. You can't even watch Bugs Bunny now. Why? Uh, I just watched Tom and Jerry the week. Maybe we outlast them. Yeah, you can watch Tom and Jerry, but Bugs Bunny now, you can't watch half the what? stuff. Because it's like people are getting anvils on their head. Oh, like kids are just... Right. Kids don't know. Kids don't know. It sounds like the Tom and Jerry conversation versus Bugs Bunny is the same as LeBron versus Michael. It's going to have to wait till later to find out who the GOAT is. We'll be back later, kids.
the A&B show one last time. See you next time. Be good or be good at it. Right-o.